as Dave, as Dave said, we, we've been doing a series in, uh, in the book of Acts called Partnering with the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm sure there's some of you who don't even realize that that's what we were doing. But, but that's, what we've, that's what we've been doing. Uh, it's a series, a series in Acts. Is it too... Can I get a bit closer? Oh, it's got longer. How's that? Is that all right? Okay. Um, where is it now? Hold on. Yeah, thank you. Good. What am I doing here? I can't see. I haven't got eyes in my ears. Your eyes in your ears? Yeah. That was it, okay. I've got eyes in the back of my head either, which would be really helpful. Good. Okay. <sighs> Technology. Perhaps I'll just shout, shall I? Be, be easier. Um, so we've been doing partnering with the Holy Spirit, and we're moving on to, to fixing our eyes on Jesus and uh, looking particularly at him through, as it says on that, on that note, um, through Old Testament eyes, because we think that... God you know, had a plan from the beginning um, in Genesis, and it goes right through to, to Revelation. And the, the, you know, God, the, the three in one, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, were there at the beginning, they're there at the end. And they're in a, they've got a plan to restore and, and uh, renew uh, this whole creation. So we really want to give a, a, a wide view to, to, you know, to what Jesus has done both in terms of where we see him in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. So we're going to try and um, bridge that gap for you. And, and just as today, uh, I wanted to finish off, um, finish off the book of Acts. You can't finish off the book of Acts. But um, I'm going to read the last, last part of the book of Acts. And, but I wonder what I want to do is to look back. Uh, we called it partnering with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to see how Paul, um, how he saw the Holy Spirit and how that can help us to see what the Holy Spirit is like and how he, how he experienced the Holy Spirit as well. And um, so I'm going to look at... Um, have any of you ever done an apprenticeship or a training course or something? Yeah? So if you've done an apprenticeship or even if you've worked in Revive and have done Jan's wonderful sort of food hygiene courses, you still need to put it into practice, don't you? And you do two things. You, do, you have underpinning knowledge and you have um, experience and application. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul did, and that's what um, we're going to try and work through today so we can get that underpinning knowledge that will enable us to, to experience um, the Holy Spirit. Um, but I'm going to read, first of all, from the, the final, final chapter of the book of Acts, which is Acts 28. Um, and it's the last... Uh, Last verse is from verse 16. So you can follow it on, on the app, or you can follow it in your Bibles, or you can follow it on the screen, or you can just listen. Such choice, such choice. Uh, so from Acts 28 and verse 16 says, and this is Paul in Rome, and it says, when we got to Rome, Paul, and this is Luke speaking here, okay, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. 
When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against our, the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And he's probably chained to a soldier. Uh, they replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. That's the uh, Christians. And uh, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. Must have crammed full his house, must have a big house, um, to, to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. And some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke, through the, spoke the truth to our ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has grown calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And then for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's, that's where the book of Acts ends, with Paul, after two years, being in, in Rome. And, but that's not the end of the story, because Paul was, um, from historical records, we, we can sort of work out that Paul was actually released, and it wasn't until about six years later that he ended up back in Rome and was, um, was um, uh, executed under, under Nero as part of that persecution that went on then. And the, so he continued, and the word of God continued to spread, and the Holy Spirit continued. And it's fitting that Acts ends with a sort of, well, what next? It's a bit like, you know, the, the next episode of, of Star Wars or whatever, or, you know, one of those series. You know, what, happen, what happens next? Well, the next bit is down to us. And... Um, I think as Churchill said about the Battle of Britain, he said that that was just the, 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 the end of the beginning. And this here is the end of the beginning of what God was doing throughout, throughout the world. And, um, uh, or as, uh, I'll, I'll use a Lord of the Rings analogy, you know, the, that uh, Bilbo Baggins said to Frodo, you know, the next story's up to you. And I think, in a way, that's what Acts is saying to us. The next stage in this story is up to you. And how are you going to partner with the Holy Spirit? Because throughout we've had Paul and we've had um, Peter and we've had people who are partnering with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and as I said earlier, I think there's, Paul had an understanding about the Holy Spirit and what it did. 
But he understood that from what we call the Old Testament, what he would have called the Torah, what he would have called the Law and the Prophets. Um, that that's where he understood. He had this underpinning knowledge from what went on in the Old Testament, yeah? what we call the Old Testament. And sometimes we think that they're sort of... Um, uh, you know, he had a, he had his, he was sort of thought, he knew he was writing the New Testament. Well, he didn't know he was writing the New Testament because all he had was what was there before. Um, and it's the same with, um, with, with Peter. And, um, and you notice in that passage I read that, that he spoke about Jesus to the Jews from the Old Testament. He used examples. That's what we're going to do in the next series. We're going to talk about Jesus from the Old Testament and just show what he was doing then and how this is part of God's whole you know, cosmic plan uh, of salvation. Um, and he, um, but also, Paul will continually through the book of Acts is talking about the Holy Spirit guided me. The Holy Spirit said, don't go there. The Holy Spirit said, go there. The Holy Spirit said, heal these people. And so he had a, a knowledge taken from the Old Testament of that this, this thing called the Holy Spirit was there and existed, and he had an experience from going around and seeing that, that what the Holy Spirit could do through him. And quite often, I think we find, we think that the, the Holy Spirit, I do anyway, you, you might all be, you know, okay about this, that the Holy Spirit is like a New Testament phenomenon, and to be honest, we don't always really understand what the Holy Spirit is. You know, we, Jesus, I get, he lived in a historical point in time um, and, and, was, and was, as we've sung today, you know, his crucifixion and his resurrection. Um, the Father, I get, because there's, you know, somebody behind it all. But what's, what's, this, what's this Holy Spirit thing? And the, the word um, in both the Hebrew and the Greek basically means wind, or breath, and we've been talking today about breath. But he was there at the beginning when he breathed into Adam. He was there at the beginning when these hovered over the waters of creation. And we talk about, don't we, the, you know, the wind of the Holy Spirit coming. The problem with wind is sometimes it's gentle and it's, you know, we can't perceive it. Other times it's like a raging hurricane and it destroys things and it, and it breaks things down. And... Um, and, uh, but, but it's quite difficult to grasp, isn't it? Has anyone ever caught the wind? Can you, can you grab the wind? Have you ever got any wind? You know? Was, that, uh, uh, was there a, uh, a Tommy Cooper sketch where he said, you know, breathe into this? And he said, there you are. <laughs> you know, take it. Uh, you, you, but it, I find it's quite difficult to grab hold of the, the Holy Spirit. But what is it and how can we experience it? So I want to look through a few Old Testament um, verses and I want to, um, I want to then sort of try and apply that to how Paul applied it and how we can apply it. The other thing about um, the other thing that Paul said, and he said it three times, and I think there's some verses up there, um, Nick. He, he said, um, "The Holy Spirit in our hearts is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance." And I'm, I looked at that the other day and went. I, you know, I really want to know more about this guarantee of my inheritance. Because don't you, you know, if you buy something, you really like to know that it's got a guarantee and that it works. And Paul's saying, he said it three times in, in, in the New Testament. He said, 
the, the Holy Spirit is a, is, a, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Guaranteeing our inheritance. So, so you know, and often our, our moving forward, you know, we're a bit hesitant sometimes because we're not guaranteed, you know, of that, that assurance sometimes, that assurance of faith. We preach it, we talk about it, but the Holy Spirit was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And I just want us to, to live in the full, full benefit. I want to live in the full, full benefit of knowing that deposit, what God has deposited in me that is a, is a guarantee of what is to come in the future. Yeah, We all want to know the future, don't we? Yeah. So, so that's what we're going to do. Um, so there's a, the, the Holy Spirit is called loads of things. I think there's a slide with lots of bubbles on it, and I won't dwell on this, but the Holy Spirit is called lots of things um, in the, the New Testament, the Old Testament, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of promise, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, um, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of life. You know, those are all, all terms for the Holy Spirit. Just, just, grip, just, just take a while just to grip some of those. And if there's one of those that stands out to you, then just, just hang on to it. Just hang on to it. Um, because it's, it's, it's really important to get a full, full grasp. But it's, but it's pretty obvious that the Holy Spirit is, is sort of one and the same with God. And sometimes we, we degrade the, our view of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, it's like uh, subsidiary to, to the Father. But it's absolutely integral. There's not really a... Apart from in, in sort of function, there's not really a cigarette's breadth of, you know, width of, of um, a, a cigarette paper width of, of difference between them. The Holy Spirit is absolutely God. Absolutely God. In the same way as Jesus is, in the same way as the Father is. And, um, and, we, and we need to, to see that. In the Old Testament, Paul understood that the Holy Spirit was predominant, is three things. One is, he was the presence of God. So, so we're going to look at presence. The, one is that he was the second was, he was the power of God. And I'm afraid I haven't got a P for the last one. But actually, he was the, he was the, the, the ethics of God. He brought about the law into, into an Old Testament setting. He gave them some rules for living. He gave them from some, some direction about their behavior. And all of those... Are, um, so we're just going to look, look um, briefly at those. And because um, in the Old Testament, it was the, the Holy Spirit was the presence of God to the people of Israel. He appeared, first of all, to Moses in a, in a, in a bush. He, 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 and then God presenced himself in the tabernacle in the desert and in a, in a tent. So he went around with them. He was in the, the, wind, the, the, the cloud and the fire that led them through a desert. And, and ultimately, it became the, the symbol of God's presence became the, the temple in which he, he came and filled with his presence, the temple in Jerusalem. And he became their identity, that their identity was, was that they were a people of the presence of God. And the presence was through the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a verse in Deuteronomy that says, um, Moses says to God, you know, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me, with us, and with your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And that still applies. What will distinguish us if it's not that the Holy Spirit, that the, that the presence of God is with us, is with us? Because otherwise we're just the you know, same as every, everybody, everybody else. So it was there, the temple became their identity, um, their, um, uh, their, the means by which they, they understood God was with them. And, uh, and, it was and it was facilitated by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read some verses from Isaiah 63, which again you can follow. So this first bit, there are a few sort of verses you'll have to follow me with, but um, just to build the, the case. So you see I'm not just talking out the back of my head which is normally the case. Um, and this is from Isaiah 63, and it's uh, verse 9. It says, In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. You remember I said, you know, he went with them, he, he went with the people of, of Israel. Yet they rebelled, and they grieved the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses terms to, in the book of Ephesians to say, you know, you've grieved the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. That's desperate, isn't it? And then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them from the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths like a horse in open country. They, will stum they did not stumble. The cattle that go down to the like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is how you guided your people, to make for yourself a glorious name. And the whole point of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to, to the Father, glory to God. That's, that's what he's about. But they blew it, didn't they? And they grieved. It says they grieved the Holy Spirit. They didn't grieve God. They grieved the Holy Spirit, which means they did grieve God, okay? That they, they, they grieved him. And they rebelled. And they said, you know, they disregarded him. They disregarded the Holy Spirit in their midst. They didn't perceive that God was, was with them and around them. You know, his presence was with them through the Holy Spirit. But there was always hope of restoration, and, and in that hope of restoration, um, there was uh, that the, the presence would return, and that's what Paul actually gripped hold of, that with Jesus, what had come was that hope of restoration, that hope of the presence coming back, because the temple was totally destroyed. So their identity of, as, as Israel, their, their presence, in effect, they thought had, had gone. But... Um, Isaiah again says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his, in his path. And he, um, he saw that there was, a, there was hope of restoration. And I would say, there's always hope of restoration. So for anyone here who feels there's no hope of restoration, who feels the presence of God is a long way off, there is always hope of restoration. There's always hope of renewal because of what Jesus has done at that cross. 
And uh, repentance is a, is a marvelous, marvelous gift. Yeah? We sometimes think of repentance as being a bit, a bit heavy, but it's a marvelous, marvelous gift because it enables us to get back and to be renewed, to get back into that, into that uh, presence again. And as well as the presence, it's the power of God. It was, remember it said in, the, in those verses, it's the power through which he led them through the desert. It's the power through which he divided the Red Sea. And we ask for little, piddly little healings of people through the Holy Spirit. Right? This Holy Spirit divided the Red Sea. This Holy Spirit um, it got them escaped from, from captivity, from slavery. In, uh, and it's a whole nation he got free. So your little bit of it, I'm, I'm not denigrating this, is not a big deal compared to the gigantic thing that that Holy Spirit can do to set a whole nation free, to release them from captivity and divide the sea. He was the power, the power that demonstrated um, what God could do for a people. And, um, but that's... What, what was promised in the renewal was something that was going to happen in people's hearts. It was going to happen in the hearts of a community. And whereas before it was um, the law you know, told them what they should do, um, the, in Ezekiel it, it foresees a time when that law would be planted in people's hearts when that law would come through the, through the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel says this, he says, I will give you a new heart, and I put new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you <coughs> in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. And there was hope of, a, of, of you know, the law being written on people's hearts. That's why we don't have to follow the Old Testament law, because it's written on our hearts. And that's not a cop-out, all right? That's not a cop-out, because um, I would say the name we use for this, this third person, the Godhead, is the Holy Spirit, and so anyone who says, he, I've got the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't come without his holiness, is wrong. Because the, the thing we emphasize is that he is holy, and he comes with, with holiness, and he comes to change our behavior and make our, our behavior more in line with what, the, you know, with, with what, what should be there and what we, sh what we should be doing in order to glorify the Father. So... So don't think that we're now let off the hook. So he's the presence, he's the power. The only other P I could think of was he's a propagator of, of, of correct behavior through the Old Testament, through, through, the, um, through the Holy Spirit. But more than that, Paul experienced, he experienced the Holy Spirit. And I want us to sort of look at these. And um, although he built the case for it and for Jesus from the Old Testament... He, he experienced the Holy Spirit in his own life in those ways. He experienced the presence, he experienced the power, and he experienced the ethical or moral behavior that came along with the Holy Spirit being in his heart, in his life, this Holy Spirit um, uh, possessing him. And Jesus said about it, 
He said um, in John 16, he said, I tell you, truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, who is an unknown for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the point was that Jesus was located in historical time and place and space. And the Holy Spirit is now something that blows that wide asunder. And he is, he is everywhere and he's somewhere. And he's everywhere because he's somewhere in you. And he's somewhere around you. And your perception is, is like the wind. His, the wind is here. There is wind here. Yeah? There is the Holy Spirit here. And sometimes we sort of forget that he's, he's around us. But he's like everywhere. There's nowhere there's not air. There's nowhere there's not breath. There's nowhere there's not, there's not wind. Um, and, and Jesus said, I'm going away, and it's good for you that I go away, because I'm going to send him. I'm going to send him to you. And that will be for your good and for God's glory. So, um, so God breathed into us. God breathed into us his Holy Spirit. He breathed. We sung this morning about it's your breath within me. And as you, as you breathe, just breathe in that the Holy Spirit. Breathe in that he's with you. He's, he's around you. you know, and perceive that, that, that he's there. And I've just got a few things to sort of try and help us. First of all, our identity as the, the, the Israelites' identity was in the presence of God. Our identity is as children, sons, daughters of the living God. And I don't read anywhere in Scripture that anyone is disqualified from, you know, coming into that um, that experience, that understanding that that as a son and daughter, there's no one that says that son and daughter is more special than that son and daughter to receive my Holy Spirit. There's no there's no sort of distinction. There's nothing I read, and you can argue with me anyway, if you like, that says I'm disqualified from that because I'm not good enough. The only disqualification is our unbelief and our rebellion. The only disqualification is, and if we are um, children of God and we come in and we, you know, we do accept what Jesus has done for us on that cross and by rising from the dead, then we can partake of this breath. There's nowhere. I've never, I've never lived in a vacuum. I've never lived anywhere where there isn't any, any air that I can breathe in. And there's nothing that disqualifies any of, any of you, any of us, from receiving um, what God has. But apart from rebellion and grieving and, and um, disappointing, really, the Father who's provided this in abundance for us and wants us to partake of it. We should worship. We should get, get lost in worship. We, should enable, we, we can experience the presence of God through the worship. The other evening, we had, a, we had an evening here where we just worshipped. And that enabled us. To, it was a great help to come into the presence of God, to, to receive the Spirit of God around us. And, um, and so we, we must worship. This morning, it's been fantastic, guys. Thank you. That was, yeah, that was 
really terrific to help us to come into the presence of God, to experience God, to experience the Holy Spirit, to experience God's, God's presence. And, um, and we, must, we must do that more and more. And as I said earlier, don't, don't relegate the Holy Spirit to some sort of inferior form of God. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is not, he is God. He is up there. He, you know, he is to be worshipped. And he is a person in the sense of, you know, though it's, we might think of it as, as air and around us. He is a person. He is, he is somebody who can call alongside to help us, is the advocate, is the counsellor term that's used. Um, he's called alongside. He's a person called alongside to help us and to be with us. And we must, um, you know, allow him to do that. We've got to real, realize he's, he's there. Um, and I think he's, he talks to us more than we can ever think or imagine, more than we ever understand. There are times when, when I hear things and I ignore them. And then about five minutes later, I realize that actually I should have listened to that. You ever done that? I, I go, <laughs> I should have listened to that. It, it, often it's like, which way do I go? And I, you know, I found the Holy Spirit's a great sat-nav, actually, to me. Um, I just wish I listened a lot more than I, than I do. And we've got all those terms again for, for him. You know, he's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of, of life. He's um, the spirit of grace. So let's partake of all those, all those abundant things that he wants, he wants to give us. And I think we should keep telling stories. I remember when I... Um, we should tell stories about what God is doing in my life. That's, you know, it's fantastic what, what you've shared, Gillian, you know, about what God's doing in your life, and Johan as well. You know, just God knows little things, and you're listening to him, aren't you? Yeah? And what he's, what he's trying to say to you. Um, I remember when I, I used to sort of struggle about receiving the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I used to... I remember um, years ago, when I first became a Christian, I thought, I've, got, I've really got a struggle to to let the Holy Spirit in. And I used, to, I used to go for walks in the evening and sort of stand by trees and sort of almost bash my head against, against the tree, going, I, I, want, you know, I want the Holy Spirit. I just want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. And I just sort of like struggled until such point as I just heard this, this voice that said, I'm here. And it was like, it was like amazing relief that... I could be who I am, <laughs> and the struggle was over. I didn't have to try to keep asking and asking and asking and try to be good enough and good enough. You know, I know I'm not good enough. I know, you know I'm, and, and I should say neither are you. But there's no disqualification. If, if, I, if I believe in Jesus, there's no disqualification from me receiving of that Holy Spirit, that spirit of truth and of grace and of life and of every, everything that I, that I need. And, and I struggle less. That's not to say I don't struggle now because we sometimes do have to work hard to, to, to sort of put aside all, those, all that stuff that comes into our minds but to, and to just receive. But we do need to just receive and you know, you don't need to do and go and bash your head against the wall and, and try and convince God that actually he should give you his Holy Spirit. He's more, than, he's more than willing to, more than willing to. 
And you can do all those things. And then we can experience that, that power, can't we? We can say, um, it, you know, we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to receive those. We need to experience those, those gifts. We need to experience the, 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 the gift of prophecy. We want more of that, I want more of that around, around here. I want people to hear what God's saying to hear what he's speaking to you for somebody's situation or for the church's situation. We absolutely do want God to speak. We want his kingdom to come, don't we? We want his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, I'm not sure how we know his will other than we hear him and that we do it and we speak it and we share it and we risk getting it wrong. We risk it not being... um, actually all that God wants to say to us. But you know something? I think there's more times that God is speaking to us than that it's me making it up. Yeah. So I've learned to sort of, and I'll share something a bit later on. You know, I've learned to say, if God's with me, if God's Holy Spirit is with me, then, okay, some of my thoughts are, you know, can be and are pretty well aligned to his thoughts. And if they're not, then somebody's going to tell me. Some, one of, you know, if I share them, then somebody's going to tell me that. And that's okay too, to tell me that that's my thinking and not, and not God's thinking. But let's not keep it in, because I think he's talking to us more than we could ever understand and ever know. Uh, we need, we need um, gifts to administer. <laughs> we, need, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to show compassion and show justice to people, you know, they're, they're equally valid as, as what we call spiritual, spiritual gifts. We need people who are going to heal other people who can do that. You know, God's power is available to us, and it's greater than what he used to, to open the Red Sea and raise Jesus from the dead. We can use it in our workplace. The first example of the Holy Spirit working was with a bunch of craftsmen who were making the items for the um, for, the temp, for the tabernacle in the desert. That's the first mention of, of, of the Holy Spirit coming on people. And they were doing it for very practical reasons. So for your work, then the Holy Spirit's there to help you, to, to, to work with you in that, and for you to make that the best workplace that it could possibly be, because that's what, what we're about, is making things. That's what God's about, but our good, it's about making our workplaces the best they could possibly be. We need him in praise and worship. We need him in preaching. We need him to, to speak through us. And it's not just for individuals, it's for communities. So both, both are relevant. So the, the, the working in people's hearts was for individuals, but it's also working in a community. And this church community needs to be an identity that says, we are people of the Holy Spirit. We're people who, who engage with the Holy Spirit. We're people who, who work with the Holy Spirit. And, that's, and we're at it as a community. Um, we're all in this together. It's not just that some people have the Holy Spirit and some don't. Yeah? It's that everyone in a community that calls themselves part of this community and part of the wider Christian community can partake and can share in that, in that Holy Spirit being here. Like I said, he's everywhere and he's somewhere. And he's somewhere in you. He's somewhere where you are. And, um, and he can change our behavior, can't he? 
He can change the way we behave. He can change our, our ethics through being, um, um, being, being in us. And, he, and the whole aim of it is that he brings glory to God. And he's not going to bring glory to God by doing really you know, odd, immoral things. He's going to do it through, through you know, teaching us the ways of heaven and teaching us the ways of God, as it, as it said in the, in the Old Testament. So I'm going to finish with, um, with just some words from a guy called Gordon Fee, who's a, who's a theologian. And he, I think it's up there, Nick, says, he said, the spirit, the spirit is God's own personal presence in our lives and in our midst, i.e. he's in us individually and he's in us as a community. He's God's own personal presence. He leads us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is working all things in all people. He is grieved when his people do not reflect his character and thus reveal his glory. And he is present in our worship as we sing praise and honour and glory and power to God and to the Lamb and to Jesus. So let's, let's do that. And let's open up ourselves up to the Holy Spirit that he can start to operate through us and reveal the glory of God through us to, to those around us.